Hey, what's up? It's your girl Tanaka Johnson, and this is Sit With That Podcast. So how have you been, friend? I've been well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Listen, I've been away for a while preparing for a conference that actually took place on last weekend, and it was amazing. The conference was entitled The Impact of forgiveness. So I knew several months ago that I'd be speaking at this conference. Uh, The host reached out to me and immediately I was like, yes, I can do that. Forgiveness. I got that. That's no problem. Yeah, right. Until the time came upon to begin to study for this. So she'd also reached out and wanted the speakers for the conference to do a Facebook live interview with her and to just answer some questions she had and familiarize her audience with us as speakers. I'm like, cool, no problem. So she sends a list of questions over. The first question, how do you practically forgive? Hmm. Threw me for a loop. Practically? How do you practically forgive? What does that mean? What is she asking for? So I began again to study the scripture. I look up all of the forgives in the Bible, all of the forgiveness in the Bible. I check different versions of the Bible because I am a firm believer that every answer we need, it's in the word of God. But this question though, I couldn't find a practical answer to tell her how I thought we forgive. I'd uh, maybe over-spiritualized the answer in previous years, but that practical word was the one that had me stuck. So I began to talk to my coworkers and reach out to some of my friends and ask them the same question, wanted to get their feedback And 99% of them answered with a spiritual answer and not necessarily something practical. Like when I say practical, if someone that doesn't know the Lord um, comes and they want to know, how do I forgive? Now, this person has not accepted Christ into their heart. They don't go to church. They don't have any family members who go to church. They just want to know how do they forgive. So of course, all of our answers were, you know, you kind of, it's a, you do, you, you, you ask God and he'll, he'll show you and he'll walk you through it, which is fantastic. Right. But I realized after listening to, um, all of my friends and coworkers responses together with um, what I'd read in the word was that forgiveness was divine. It's a supernatural thing that God has given us the ability to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. Wow. It took me a while to get to that, but it is a spiritual principle. Forgiveness is a spiritual principle. There's no way for me to work around that. Well, to authentically forgive 
is a spiritual principle. Might I say that because you feel I was also asking my coworkers. So how do uh, someone who doesn't know the Lord, how do they forgive? So it opened up this really big dialogue, but I'm not going to go into that. But what I will share is um, during that conference, I shared 10 myths that I at one point in my life believed about forgiveness. I'm only going to share five of them with you today. Um, And I will share part of my testimony because once we got there, you know, the host wanted us to share a condensed version of our testimony. So that way the audience would know some of the things that we'd, uh, that all of the hosts had to, had to forgive others of. So I want to share that with you. And then five myths about forgiveness. And then I'm going to get out of your way because you know, I appreciate your time and I like to keep it short and sweet and to the point. So I'm the granddaughter of a Baptist preacher, daughter to a drug and alcohol addicted parents. Father was a deacon. Mother was a lady of the night. And that is me being polite. Guilt, shame, fear, and defeat, rejection, abandonment, bitterness, and unforgiveness, physical and verbal abuse, years of molestation, self-pity, false responsibility, and torment, fear of men, and irrevocable feelings of never, ever being enough, paranoia, trauma-induced anxiety, hopelessness, and homelessness, haunting memories, disturbing nightmares, emotional numbness with physical pain. I was raped twice, once by a relative and once by a stranger. I miscarried one baby and aborted another. Through all of this, I became a lesbian, a stripper, a drug dealer, and a drug user. I vowed to never forget or forgive until I met a man who loved me unconditionally and he forgave me. And because he forgave me, I forgave other people who had sinned against me. I forgave my way to freedom. And on this journey to freedom, I had to debunk a ton of myths about forgiveness. So that is, um, a piece out of my my actual book called Left for Dead, My Journey from Trauma to Triumph. And that was the condensed version of my testimony that I shared with that audience that day. So I want to get into these myths. I got five of them I want to share with you. I want you to sit with them, listen to them, and see if any of these exposes any myths that maybe you believed about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an issue for me is number one. I thought forgiveness wasn't an issue for me. I thought that I'd been forgiving people throughout the years, but I didn't realize until later on in life that I hadn't forgiven them. I just kind of pushed them in their own little compartment. When Joe or Jim Shue or shirt would come around, all of this bitterness would rise up in my heart and hatred. I would not even want to be in the room with the person, but I would say forgiveness was not an issue for me. 
as long as nobody was around that I had not forgiven. That could have been a true myth, right? So number two, forgiveness is only for the benefit of the one who hurt you. Hmm. Listen, I dealt with that one and with every fiber of my being, I did not want to forgive someone that had caused me so much pain. I felt like forgiveness was too precious to give to someone who hurt me because it was only going to benefit them. But listen, friend, forgiveness is not about the other person who hurt you. It's about you. And you may have heard this before, but it's just a reminder then. No one grows more, learns more, or benefits more than the one doing the forgiveness. Number three was time heals all wounds. (laughs) Listen, while it's important that we allow time when the process of healing Some of our wounds are so deep that time alone cannot heal them. It is true that it takes time to recover from trauma of verbal and physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, and sexual abuse. But yet there are people, including myself, that buy into the myth that eventually, if we just wait long enough, the ache will go away on its own and we'll be free somehow. Mm -mm. No, ma'am. No, sir. That's not how that works. There are no quick fixes to hurry the healing process. If you are a genuine victim of some type of abuse or neglect or something that makes you have unforgiveness, but neither should we should extend it inactivity or neglect be confused with healing. The truth is that time alone does not heal all wounds. There comes a time where we have to take action and to seek the healing that we need. So yes, it takes time and we don't want to rush the process. But at some point, we must take responsibility to resolve unforgiveness in our heart once and for all. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 8, I know you've heard this before, that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. And of course, there's more to that scripture, but that was me paraphrasing. Number four, I'll forgive when they apologize. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I fell for that myth. I clinged to the myth that my offender must forgive, must, must ask for my forgiveness or he needs to repent. And what I learned was anytime we set conditions, we surrender control and become dependent on someone else doing something before we can move forward. We say stuck in that place. In essence, what we do is we hand over the power to that person when the truth is there is no conditions to forgiveness other than the fact that we need to do it and we've been commanded to do it if you want true freedom then you must forgive regardless of your offender's response here's the deal what if your offender can't apologize not won't but can't apologize In my case, my uncle died. 
and he never apologized to me, but I still needed to forgive him. Hmm. Number five, forgiveness should be about justice. We don't want to forgive because we think forgiveness lets someone off the hook. Now, I'm not referring to criminal justice here. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, you you broke into somebody's house or um, you you broke into the bank or the gas station or something. I feel like if you've done that or any other criminal activity, you should go before the judge and the jury and they do what they do. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is when we create our own sense of justice, we set ourselves up as the judge, the jury and the executioner. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Because I've done it because we are too hurt when we have unforgiveness in our heart. We are the last people who can administer justice because we're hurting. Of course, we're going to make them pay. But it's not our job to make them pay. I've encountered so many people, and I keep saying this, including myself, where someone in the family has genuinely hurt you or someone else that you love. And you decided to take justice into your own hands. This was one that wore me out, friend. I was standing up teaching. Saying, talking about this particular myth and the Holy Spirit says to me while I'm teaching mid sentence that I've done that. And he begins to show me while I'm still talking what I've done. So, friend, I want to share with you, because if you've done it or, you know, someone that has done it, it's important to let them know that this is not justice. I. I decided that because I was hurt by my uncle, that I'd never speak to my mom's side of the family anymore. How in the world is that justice? Nobody on that side of the family hurt me, but I was trying to make them pay. And in that moment, while I was teaching this, I realized and I began to tell them, you know, how is it that your children are going to know their their second cousins or their grandmother or grandfather or auntie or uncle, they won't inherit any of the recipes that grandma taught you because you don't have it. Grandma's biscuits or grandma's famous macaroni and cheese. They never learned how to make that and you just don't know how to do it. <laughs> but I'm joking, but I'm serious. How is it that um, our children can know their family's legacy if you think it's justice to keep them from getting to know those people because some hurt that has happened to you. Now, I am not saying put your children in harm's way. If your family is crazy, then I say keep them away. But we're talking about a good, sound family that you just decided not to deal with because you're trying to be justice. Or get justice. Yes. Sit with that. That was me. In the middle of teaching. God reveals to me. That I'd done this. And I was still doing it. I only see that side of my family on Facebook. 
Some of my second cousins have had babies and gotten married. They've gone on family reunions and I have not gone. And it is not because of anything they've done. It was because after I forgave my uncle, forgave my mom, forgave my grandmother, anybody that knew about it, I did not take, um, I did not take initiative to reconnect with that side of my family. So I want to encourage you. Those are the five myths I'm going to share. I may share the other five on next week. We'll see. But I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to expose any myths that are keeping you from experiencing freedom through forgiveness. Whether there's someone you need to apologize to or someone that you need to forgive, please do it. Life is but a vapor. And today, my God, is a great day to do it because today is Good Friday. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So I love you. I pray that. You're able to forgive and grow from this forgiveness. Until next time, sit with that.